Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. We will have Judd Zolget on from Score North, and Miles is here tonight helping replace Ryan. Uh, we're going to talk State of the Vikings, the, the GM search, the head coaching search, and everything under the sun. So grab a drink and let's get this show rolling. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I am your host, Matt Anderson. I'm joined tonight by my buddy Miles. Uh, He's doing a back-to-back show. He was on last night, so thank you for being here. Um, Dave, as usual, behind doing all the producing. And we do have a special guest tonight. It's it's Judd Zolgad from Score North. I'll have to give him an introduction when he, he, he inevitably shows up to the show. He's running a little bit late today. Uh, we haven't quite heard from him, but uh, I have confidence in Judd. I believe he will be here. So we will carry on uh, with the with the show right now. Sorry, I'm a little distracted. I just watched the Gophers lose uh, on a buzzer beater here, so that's heartbreaking. Um, just like the Timberwolves last I'll, night. I know it's brutal, seventy nine to or seventy one to sixty nine. But Miles and I and Dave, we will we will keep the show rolling until Judd rolls along. So. Uh, you know, we kind of had a lot to talk about tonight. The, the GM search is underway. We've heard some names kind of pop up. Um, we've heard some head coaching candidates as well. But before we get into that, I want to just kind of talk about the state of the Minnesota Vikings. We've seen it said that this is a very attractive job opening um, around the league, right? A lot of people are interested in it for a, a number of different reasons, but Miles, what do you, what do you think? Do you think it's are we overhyping it? Are we being a little bit too biased when it comes to talking about the state of the Vikings right now? No, I honestly I think when you look at the entire the the entire landscape of of the hiring process, I think there's what three teams that need GMs. So when you look at it from the GM standpoint, the Vikings are far and away the best and most attractive position our team, I should say. Um, and then when you look at the head coaching head coaching candidates, the Vikings are, are probably right up there with, you know, the Broncos, the Raiders. Um, who else am I thinking of? Uh, those are probably the top three teams. I mean, I, you know, and then you look at Jacksonville and, and Chicago, both have young quarterbacks to, to build around. So when you look at the entire landscape, though, um, I would say the Vikings are probably top to bottom, the, the best, the best opportunity for any GM and coach, just because, you're getting a fresh start with the for both, so it's not you know Rick's not in the building anymore. He's not over anyone's shoulder, so it's a fresh start for both. The GM can have a strong relationship with the head coach, and they can rebuild or or however they view the building of the roster and, and necessary pieces to be made um, to move forward. They can do that together in lockstep. And I think the one thing that we kind of, I think Rick and Zim kind of got away from was being in lockstep with each other. So um, I'm really looking forward to that re-collaboration of uh, GM and head coach and, and, and the rebuilder. I, I'm calling it a reset, but whatever you want to call it <laughs> of this, of this team and the new, the new regime. Um, but yes, I think um, when you look at the, the state, state of the art facilities, the brand new stadium, the Wilfs themselves, they're not just really good owners for, because they let their people do their work. They're really good owners because they're willing to pay the money when they need to, they're willing to invest into whatever they need to, to to win. And I know a lot of GMs or our owners around the league cut checks for players and, and cut checks when they need to, but the Wilfs really do that in the fact that not every team 
use his signing bonuses when they sign, you know, big time free agents or give extensions to their players. So um, the Vikings do that. And that means you've got to cut that check right then and there. And so when you got to cut, kind of cut a $50 million check, you know, four or five times in, you know, in, in a matter of weeks, that's a lot of money. And not a lot of owners do that yeah. or, or are even willing to do that. The Wilfs we've seen over the years, they're willing to do that. So um, I think those things in itself uh, for any GM or head coach that, that to have that type of, um, relationship and and also the, like the backing from your ownership, I think it makes it that much of an attractive position to be in. So when we talk about uh, kind of like I, I tweeted about it today, but the offensive side of the ball, I think that's probably where the the most intrigue comes if you're coming from outside in, right? You got so many young, talented people on the offensive side of the ball on rookie deals, most of them too, that have shown a lot of promise. Maybe outside of O'Neill and Cook, who have signed extensions, so. Does the defensive side of the ball worry you though? Like that's that's arguably going to be the toughest to to overhaul, right? We probably have one shining star on the defensive side that's not like towards the end of their career, and that's Daniil Hunter, but he's battled some injuries. But when you think about, I mean, it's it's, it's almost a foregone conclusion that Barr is going to be gone. Um, you know, Kendricks is t- is towards the back half of his career. Maybe he wants to go ring chase somewhere else, and that could be here. But it's probably still a couple years, uh, given the reset next year. Harrison Smith was just signed to a big extension, but he's kind of, you know, on the back backside of his as well. And then you got a, just a bunch of guys who started for us this year that were on one year deals. So, how would you even like go about tackling the defensive side of the ball? Because I don't think the the offense is the issue right now. No, what. Well- but I think the hard part is what you can't do is just come in and say, we just need to fix the existing holes that are in place and re and then we're right back into it. That's not how this situation should go. It shouldn't just be, we need to fix the other DN, the other DN position opposite Hunter. We need to fix the linebacker position. We need to fix a cornerback and then let's ride like that. I don't think they should take that mentality because it's a bigger overall process than just filling a few holes here and there and then, and then trying to re, to run it back again. So um, I said this last night on our show and in the huddle, um, the new regime, I hope how, whatever they need to do or wherever they feel they need to do to um, revamp this team. If that means getting rid of aging veterans or, or guys that they just view as not part of the long-term solution, I think fans need to need to kind of give that room and be willing to accept some of that because you have guys like, a, like you said, a Harrison Smith, and I, I'll even go to the offensive side. Adam Thielen, you know, you have a, you have a few guys that are hitting that that twilight of their careers, and um, it might be time to move on. And if the new regime feels that they need to do that, and I think that I think we should, you know, obviously we don't have any choice, but I think we should kind of accept it a little bit and, and be understanding to that. And so uh, there's that part of it for me. But I also feel like you talk about the defense, but just like the team as a whole, they need to get themselves out of a, the cap crunch that they're in. Um, that obviously starts with the quarterback position. You know, Kirk's got the $45 million cap hit. Um, how, so I want to be open-minded to whatever the new regime wants to do. And including with what the Wills want to do. Um, you know, my, I, I've, I've said over many times, my preference would be to trade Kirk free up that cap space and then, you know, draft, draft a quarterback, maybe bring in another vet, cheap vet for a, um, a bridge. But um, essentially what they need to figure out is it can't, I see some people say, well, if you restructure or extend, uh, extend Kirk Cousins, then he'll free up cap space in 2022. It's like, well, that's great. But what about the future? And the it's, it's for me, it's about the future cap situation. It's not just about 2022. It's about 2023, 2024 and beyond. So, um, Whatever the Vikings need, new brass needs to do to fix that and remedy that and give them more more flexibility for future cap, they should do it. And that kind of goes back into the Adam, you know, the, the veterans, the older guys that you know that might need to cut bait with is they need that flexibility for future moves. For to the point you brought up, Matt, is to help revive and and um, revamp that defense. They're going to need cap space to do it. They're going to need the draft to do it. So. It's not, but they go hand in hand with each other. It's you can't just fill one and then ignore it through the other. You need to use free agency, you need to do the draft. But in order to use free agency effectively, you have to have flexibility in the cap. And that means not going to 
some of your aging veterans and then restructuring their deals in 2022, but they take a larger cap hit down the road. They've been doing that process. They need to take a different process than that. They can't continue down that road anymore, at least not not in the short term. Maybe, you know, as we get further down the road again, they can start doing that with some of the, you know, younger guys that they resign or what have you, but they can't continue down the road of, hey, Eric Hendricks, we're going to, you know, convert your base salary to a signing bonus to free up $6 million and then you're, you're going to be harder to cut later. Like those types of things, they can't do that in 2022. So um, however they need to do that, if they, that means trading Kirk Cousins, if that means I prefer to extend Daniel Hunter, but if that means trading Daniel Hunter at the end of the day, you, you should just do it because at the, this is the time to do it. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, couple things. I did just talk to Judd. Did you? I think he's on his way. Okay. Um, he he just sent me a, a DM, said to shoot him the link, so he should he should be on his way. Okay. Little miscommunication on, on timing here. He <laughs> he said he thought I said eight thirty. I said oh. eight. Um, the other thing, I'm <clears throat> the comments are lighting up. Everybody, thank you for joining tonight. Um, I see some some regulars, some new people in there. Uh, keep them going. And I, I was going to ask you just now, Dave. I, I didn't see any popping up on the screen, so hold um, on. But but now I am seeing them. So okay. hopefully, uh, oh, I meant to say, Michael. Michael, there. hey, shout out to Michael. By the way, I saw your comment. Forgot to mention it. Appreciate the shout out. So let's let's kind of rewind back a little bit. We we <laughs> kind of got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Um, what are you oh, laughing about? <laughs> Hold on, Jed. Uh, uh, oh. Mark, Mark talking about the Bobby Bonilla and uh, comparing them, and that's funny. <laughs> There we got Judd. There he is. I'm sorry, Judd. I, I, I apologize if I said 830. No worries. No worries. You know what? It might be me. Can, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> yeah, we can. All okay. right. Nope, nope, nope. Judd, it might be me. I'm getting old, so I forget that. <laughs> you're well, just this, drinking the Surleys like and, and enjoying your time. Yeah, I, I was about exactly to say, right. I feel like this is the perfect show for, <laughs> for Judd to be on, right, with his Surly Furious. He's he's rocking Absolutely. it. I, I I can give you a new Absolutely. introduction. We we kind of already rolled through it, but but we'll do it again, everybody. If you don't know who awesome. it is, it's the man, the myth, the legend. It's Judd Zolgad. Score North. You can check him out on Twitter. You can check him out every day uh, on Score North on their YouTube or their podcast. So I'm I'm thrilled you're here tonight. We we kind of just walk through the state of the Vikings um, and how the offense is very appealing. And how the defense maybe not so much, um, mm-hmm. just given a lot of aging vets. So, just throwing you right into the fire here. What what is your overall thought of the Vikings roster? We, we're hearing that it's a very hot job right now on both both fronts. Um, so, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Um, I think the roster itself is intriguing. I, I agree co- completely. The defense is needs work. It's aging out. The offense has some great components and some great parts, but here's what excites me. If I'm a GM candidate, especially um, this roster is ripe to be turned over. It's ripe for changes. And there's a lot of guys name guys uh, that can probably go here. And I don't think 2022 is a year where, despite what the will said that you should be talking about a Super Bowl, but I do think that, um, the retool, I wouldn't call it a rebuild because that insinuates like five years. I do think the retool could be quick. Um, but I think this job, it, to me, the most important thing is is this. There seems to be this fixation on, well, the Vikings are up against the cap in 22 and this job's not that great. I mean, they don't have a quarterback for sure. And I would say this. I think this job is fantastic because look at the infrastructure. So the Giants... I don't know how, but unfortunately have turned into, into a dumpster fire. Like, that's that's a mess. <laughs> the, the Bears are probably worse. Now, now, the Bears have fields of quarterback, but one, that's the unknown. And two, I mean, George McCaskey at the press conference a couple days ago basically said, I'm just a fan. We'll see. Uh, he had no clue. The Wilfs have their faults, but the Wilfs are really good at turning people loose to do their jobs. Now, the fault is when it doesn't work, it can take them a while to make the changes. But they made those changes now. And the last thing is, guys, I covered this team for a long time when they practiced at Winter Park, which was a piece (laughs) of crap. Um, They played their games, and no offense to young fans who loved the place, in the Metrodome. 
the Metrodome was garbage, okay? They're now in a stadium that is state-of-the-art and fantastic. The practice facility is great. So I think the Vikings, in air quotes, problems are all very, very short-term. But, like, if you look at – if you become GM with, with by the way, people who own this team who are patient, look at what this team has going for it as a franchise – and I think this is a great job. And, and look, I, I am the last guy to come on, on here and wave my purple pom-poms. But I just think that their problems are all all staring them right in the face. Their problems can all be fixed by a competent GM. And the upside is enormous. I think it's a great job. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing that you pointed out there too, and and I know we give the Wilfs a lot of credit, but the patience that they are in the leash that they're going to give these two people that they hire, I, I don't think you can really find that throughout the NFL. I mean, we see a lot of turnover two, three years, they're, they're canning coaches. I really think that the Wolves, when they hire this GM and this head coach, like they are committed to it for at least half a decade, if not longer, um, which if you're a new guy coming in, you want that kind of freedom. You want the ability to say like, hey, if I make a mistake in year three, I'm not going to get canned over it. This ownership group trusts me enough to say, let's give them another couple years and, and, and kind of see where we can go. So I think Miles we can't and I guarantee are, that. We can't like, guarantee that, though. But I think I think at least to the point that the first few years, they, I think the Wilfs will understand it, they'll need, the new regime is going to need a little bit of time, whether that's a year or two years. They're going to need a little bit of time to revamp and redo the the roster and their image and how they want to see it, and it, yeah. it's not just going to happen in 2022. So I know the I know Mark said, you know, we're going to be competitive in 2022. It's like, well, what kind of competitive? You don't need to be a dumpster fighter to be competitive, but you don't also don't you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender either. So just just be careful with with that and and, and kind of what he says and take that for a little bit of you know grain of salt. Yeah, but part of that's marketing and to sell tickets. Always, yeah. always. Hypothetically speaking, if we had another season just like this season, but it was like new regime, would that would that be okay with you? Like a bunch of one-score games that come down to the end, but we just don't quite pull them out? Is that kind of what you're Absolutely. looking for? Who's it's the not quarterback? what I'm looking for. I, I, I don't think it's Kirk. <laughs> I think Kirk gets traded. Um, the, the great thing is you can you can come in and basically here here's the most important thing. It's not necessarily the 2022 record, although I do think with you know seven teams in each conference now making the playoffs, making the playoffs is not that hard. Like, like it's not. I wouldn't be. Oh my god, I'm floored. Um, <laughs> but here's what I'm looking for. And, and I, I keep comparing what the Vikings' new regime is up against to what the, the Wild has done with Bill Guerin. I'm looking for a GM and coach that can turn this into a team. Because just starting out with, this was not a team. This was some talented individuals, but everybody had an agenda. The veterans were trying to earn their next contract. Zimmer and Spielman independently were trying to save their jobs. Kirk was being Kirk. Like, this did not feel like a team to me at all. And and the whole thing with the late game defeats, at some point in time, that begins to speak to who you are as a team, too. Um, and, you know, Mike was continually gnashing his teeth about that. Well, it doesn't have to be close. Well, but at some point in time, Mike embraced that. So I think the most important thing is to come in here and and to start to make some changes I think that they're going to have to start to jettison some veterans that people like, and yeah. and they're going to have to um, create cap space, get younger, but most importantly, empower the young players who deserve it. Justin Jefferson should be – I mean, think about this. It is ridiculous that in the last quarter of the season, Justin Jefferson had to go into press conferences and literally be the one guy to say – What's going on here? Like, we, we got to change this. Like, he talked like a 10-year veteran. And and so I think the GM, what that person is up against is not just retooling personnel and, and improving the talent and certainly uh, flipping things to become younger. I think that person is also up against realizing 
that this team didn't work as a team. There were a lot of people, including, I'll say it again, the GM and coach who were serving themselves. And I don't think personally that can work in sports. Well, let's, let's talk about Rick and Mike uh, for a second. You know, I, I kind of had it in the show notes, memory lane on, on, on Rick and Zim to kind of, if we had any fun memories or, or bad memories, we could talk about them. But you both brought up some, some pretty good uh, questions that I want to talk about. The first one is, was Miles, um, you know, how much actual success did this past regime really even have, if we think about it, right? Three playoff appearances in eight years, is that considered successful? I mean, I think some fans might think it is, just given that there was one deep playoff run, but a lot of them were just one and done. Uh, and then your question, Judd, where does Zimmer even rank among you know Vikings coaches all time? So I'll let you guys kind of take it from there, which question you want to you start with, but I want to kind of dive into that too quick. I think the most important thing from my end is this. I, I think uh, Rick and Mike, and especially Mike, you have to consider his his coaching career here as o- almost presidential terms. And the first four years were impressive. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, he, that team in their last year with Les, who was a great guy, I loved Les, but, I, but that thing was off the rails. I, I mean, things were going south. I know that, that they had made the playoff round the previous year. Um, but defensively, it was a mess. Uh, Mike was brought in because of his defensive expertise. And I thought 2014 to 17, which included two playoff appearances, uh, including a run to as embarrassing as the game was the 2017 (laughs) conference championship game. Um, I thought that was some good coaching. Um, it didn't end up that way in the loss to Philadelphia, but I thought that was some good coaching. And then the second term is when Rick brings in Kirk and it didn't work. Look, I, I don't know how else to say it. It just didn't work. It didn't work from, in my opinion, anyone's perspective. Uh, but I think Mike ends up to me behind, um, behind green. I, I would go, Bud clearly won. I mean, that's a slam dunk. Uh, Bud won. Denny two, Mike three, Burnsy probably four. Uh, but I mean, I think Mike did a lot. Mike took over a program that had some questionable things and so, sort of, and I guess Rick did too. They both saw this thing into an era where the Vikings went from being what I would equate to a Ma and Pa shop, Winter Park, the Metrodome. I mean, when I started to cover this team in 2005 and the transition from red to the Wilfs was ongoing. Um, they literally had like shrubs growing up the back, the back um, hill of Winter Park. Players used to go flying into the woods in practice trying to break up plays. Like it was a mon pa shop, and this thing now is big time. So I, I do think that. They, yeah, and, and I mean, poor Tice. Yeah, Mike Tice bringing <laughs> for for the, a sponsor's practice at the end of training camp in 05, Walking down the stairs from the coach's office with like a huge cooler of beer, it was it was a mom pa shop, um, <laughs> and so these two deserve credit for for being a big part of shepherding this thing into where things stand now. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not dumping on Zimmer. I just think it didn't end well, and unfortunately for Mike, uh, final perceptions or appearances are what we often recall. But there was a lot of good, too. Was there enough playoff success? Obviously not. But in my opinion, it wasn't a failure where you where you say, oh, Mike spent eight miserable years here. And the dismissal of Mike, at least for sure, was just time. It was just time. So that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Miles, you share a, sim- a similar uh, sense? Or how about you answer your, uh, your, res- your success question? Because I, I feel like yeah, you don't. I, mean, I, I feel like you hold this franchise and, and Judd as well, right? We hear you on your on your show, uh, but you guys hold it to uh, maybe a higher standard, right? You, you don't settle for the mediocrity that you know. I think a lot of fans kind of are okay with, right? If if, if we're in the hunt, if if we just come up short, that's they're fine with that. But you guys are are consistent with your message of we're not going to settle for mediocrity. We want to continue to improve off of that. 
Yeah, and I think part of my issue was with the with the old regime, Rick ends him. I think my issue was when they did find success, they've tried to continue to re- repeat that success and that they tried to repeat that same model from the previous year without Oh no. I just got booted. We're still live. Crazy. We should okay. still be yeah. live. We should come um, back up. So yeah, back to what I was saying. So I think they would self-correct themselves. They'd make the playoffs and then they would think that was good enough and then try to run that back again. And part of that issue that I did run into with the old regime was the fact that they never were willing to move on. And I know, Judd, you, I've, I've, I listen to you guys' show like every day. I know you talked about that ad nauseum. And I, I know everybody's talked about that ad nauseum. But they, they, their unwillingness to move on from, from guys when the time was necessary, um, yeah. it hurt them in the long run. And I think we obviously saw that. Um, the, the old regime, Mike and, Z- and Rick, they lived off of that 2015 draft though. Like they essentially up until their final days, they were living off of that 2015 draft and obviously Diggs is gone, but Diggs turned into Justin Jefferson. So that's kind of a by proxy, like, you know, part right there. So I think the, the part there that I struggled with the most was just a lack of consistency. I wanted, I hated the every other year because you could kind of read the writing on the walls before the season when they weren't going to make the playoffs because you didn't see enough changes made to improve upon themselves from the previous year. And so where I, I view, I view Zim like to, to Judd's point, the first four years specifically, they were really good and they made a, a lot of really good moves. They made a lot of um, headway. Uh, I'm not even, it's not about blaming Kirk cousins. It's about blaming the regime for not finding a, a like middle ground. There was no middle ground between it. It was, this is what we're going to do, and you're going to have to deal with it. And I, I, don't, I don't think that kind of rift between management is, is, is possible if you're going to be successful. And we obviously saw that over the last four years of it just didn't work. It, like top to bottom, the way they, they couldn't continue to build the roster they, they wanted to, the way they wanted to, and it led to Rick making reach picks, um, picking guys at higher – um, a lesser position of value in higher rounds. It led to Rick making, you know, um, panic trades at times. So they, they tried to overcompensate themselves a lot, way too often because their margin for error shrunk significantly. So um, to your point, Matt, I, I, I hold them in high regard. Zim's too good. was too good of a coach. I think Rick was too good of a talent evaluator to, to let them only be a playoff team three years, three out of eight years. I just, I just think, it wasn't acceptable enough. And, and I think to, again, to Judd's point, it was time. And I think them making the decision to let to Rick go as well. I, I know it surprised Rick, but the more I think about it, the more I think it was, it was for the best. Do you think that, because, um, <clears throat> because obviously right now with, with Zimmer being dismissed in Spielman, I feel like a lot of players have, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like a lot of players have kind of spoken out and, and, and had like some good words about Spielman, right? Like Spielman at least treated them as, as equals and, and whatnot, but Zimmer had this hard nose mentality. Are you kind of like shocked or, or, or taken aback by Kendrick's, uh, you know, O'Neill's comments, even, you know, I think a little bit of Adam Thielen, you know, if you kind of read between the lines there. I'm not shocked. Um, I guess I don't know how much stock I put in things that, that are said when the guy's been kicked out the door. Uh, I would have respected a little bit more if that had come out to a certain degree while Mike, Mike was here. Like, Mike is who Mike is. And I'm but not Judd, saying Judd, didn't, it's, didn't some of those – sorry. I was going to say, didn't some of those stories come out, up. though, over the years? Zimmer being a hard-ass did, but, I, I mean, Kendricks was really frontal. Okay. But I, I believe okay. his his phrase was fear-based organization. Fear-based organization, that, yeah. That's pretty do- doggone strong. And, look, I'm sure he's I'm, – I'm not saying he's lying. I'm just saying that I respect that a little bit more when that comes out while the guy is here. I mean, Mike's thing is Mike was going to be Mike, and that was a problem at, at times. I'll, I'll go back to – I mean, Mike – by himself helped sabotage 2016. What they were five and zero going into the bye. They came out of the bye. They played Philadelphia. They lost, and Mike went up to the podium and called the offensive line soft. I mean, soft, soft might be the worst word that you can use in football. <laughs> um, so Mike had his faults there, 
I just, I felt by this year, last year to a certain point, but this year especially, I just felt everybody, including Mike, seemed miserable. So, like, it yeah. didn't look like any fun. It looked, I mean, Kirk, Kirk as well, but everybody seemed like they were grinding through it. And I think the, the moment of complete truth, because the, there were a lot of things uh, this past season that were problems. I mean, Cooper Rush beat them. That's terrible. But anyway, I felt the moment of just complete truth was the Rams game because you've got the Rams at home. You go into that game in the seventh and final playoff seed. And I know it, it's a BS seed, but I mean, still, you were in control. And it wasn't that you just lost. It was how you lost. And and again, the, the almost at times in that game, disinterest. And that's and that's where you just know it's time. Um, it doesn't have to be this great blow up or blow out or or, or guys screaming. Um, and I, you know, I'll, I'll go back to uh, training camp too. The whole thing, and I don't what want to go in a political direction here, but the whole thing with who's vaxxed and who's not, right? And Mike being upset about that, all of that reflected on sort of the start of this is going to be a long year. Like there's a lot of dissension here. Um, I don't think that politics have to be a big deal, but I think that teams need, need to feel like a team. And again, that did not feel like a team. That felt like people making decisions, and they might have been right. But the point is, football is a terrible sport, and and you got and teams need to be on board. And so, like, and and you got and teams need to be on board. It might not be fair, but you know, Dalvin or Kirk. If those guys are, are like, well, I really don't w- want to get the vax, and guys did, and you know, their teammates, some of them did, and they're like, yeah, but you could miss time. We want to win football games. That just creates problems. Um, and I just, I felt from that point on that the problems were evident, but I really felt that that Rams game was damning because I watched that game and that was like a three win team. That was a really, really big moment for me to say this has to end soon like this you you can't try and bring these people back for 2022 yeah well they followed it up with a goose egg in lambo too so that was just like the <laughs> the final yeah, that the was final almost say right there absolutely you know and i think that was the most frustrating thing about this season in general for me is i i kept thinking you know when we did get close to some like pulling out some of those games, I'm like, maybe this is a wake up call. Like when we saw the Kirk and Zimmer exchange on the sideline and everyone was like, Oh, are they upset at each other? Is this the wake up call? Right? Like they came back, they won. Can we get this thing on a roll? And then we just can't show up the next week and we can't show up the week after that. And the defense plays well, but the offense is going three and out. Then the offense is doing well. And the defense just lets them trot down the field. It just, it was never clicking, and, and it just kind of ties back in. And they can say anything they want. I don't really believe it. Um, they, they were selfish this year. They, there were a right. lot of selfish players on that team, kind of just mm-hmm. looking out for themselves. And so I guess the hope is that the, the new head coach and the new GM can kind of change that mindset, get them to buy in on a new message. Because I do think Zimmer's message works if you're winning, but if it, if 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 you don't, it's a very fine line of getting your players to turn against you. Uh, I think we Absolutely. saw it briefly back in what, what, that that Green Bay game way back when 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 all the, the Rhodes games went rogue. Yep, yeah. uh, rogue we, we saw it briefly 16. back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The problem is, I, I think that that's why though you need to go through this roster now and this team and trim guys out. Because I, I think you're exactly right. Yep. I think a lot of guys were trying to play for contracts. We're trying, and and I think that that's the natural progression when a team does not does not feel like a team, right? But you know, I just I think that they're going to have to probably get rid of some players that people like, because the reality is they're aging out. And and you're exactly right. That's the thing too is Rick and Mike. Um, had real issues with with cutting some players that they at least should have considered. Uh, I was I'm convinced that they are they were never going to even consider, um, you know, ma- making a move on a guy like Smith. And God bless them, 
but he deserves to go to, to a team, I think, that can win a Super Bowl in the next year or two. Um, there's a lot of – there is young talent here that couldn't play because, you know, my guys and, – and that was Mike. You know, my guys are going to, to play. Um, and that's the weird thing too. So when they signed Kirk, if you look at that, so if you draw a line between the the appearance in the conference championship game in 17 and when they signed Kirk in March of 18, and then you sort of look at how things transpired, it's almost sort of like Rick decided, I'm doing my thing and Mike can do his thing. Um, because Mike, I mean, at that combine, before they signed Kirk, when Mike clearly knew it was a done deal, you know, he put out basically a flare and said, don't pay quarterbacks. I mean, that was clearly saying, Rick, you got one final chance. And Rick yeah, didn't don't do uh, it. take that. Uh, but then but then the third round in this year's draft became like a, a bleeping match between th- those two. You drafted, what, four players? Mond, I mean, the Mond thing was so unnecessary as far as what Mike said after that Packer game. Mike could have easily said, yeah, we'll try and take a look or something. But instead, have you seen him? Or I've seen him. I don't need to see him. Um, (laughs) Rick drafts Chaz Surratt, who is a college quarterback, who they're going to convert to linebacker. Well, you know as well as I do, Mr. Defense ain't going to embrace that idea. Like, that was a total Rick play. Um, You know, Wyatt Davis, what happened? Like, what happened to to the guy? Is he the worst football player of all time? And and they supposedly liked, what, the Jones kid from Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. the defensive end. They supposedly thought that he looked good in practices in in the summer and into training camp, but and he did play snaps, but not much. So only because he I, had to. I think, yeah, exactly. So I think that those two went in, and this is the problem. They went in their like own direction. It's like, are you? Do you guys communicate? And I think it. I think in the end, it cost both dearly, along with the fact that the number one thing on Rick is and. Uh, some of this is unfortunate bad luck. Some is just flat out his fault. He could never identify the most important position in sports. Ever. Cousins, yeah. I think, was a bailout. Yeah. I, I think Rick, I think that was Rick basically saying, I can't do it. So I'm going to do the very rare thing of taking a guy who's good off the market and paying him huge. Um, because I can't. Because, you know, you go to Ponder, Teddy was unfortunate. Bradford got hurt. And I think, I always think that Ponder scared Rick. I, I think it impacted the rest of Rick's time really in charge of personnel because I've always contended Teddy was Norv's guy because Norv saw Teddy mm-hmm. at his pro day and Teddy wasn't good. And Norv is the one who told those guys, I want to fly to Miami and work him out. And he came back and I think said, draft him. You'll like him, draft him. Um, I don't think that Rick ever trusted himself again to draft a QB after Ponder. Yeah, I mean, when, when we think of the quarterbacks he's even drafted after that outside of Teddy, it's all all been late round guys too. Like, you know, I know Miles is, is a big uh, guy who's, who's talking about, you know, you should be drafting a quarterback, you know, maybe not every year, but at least every other year. And not just like, you know, I forget the kid from Iowa, uh, Nate Stanley's not the Nate, Nate Stanley's Stanley. of the world. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. you know, meaningful guy. Like I think if, if you, if, if they would have shown me that they were going to draft like Kellen Mond, like players every other year, third, fourth round, show me that you're, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get, catch a guy with some high upside. Maybe you catch a Dak Prescott out of there. Who knows? Um, that would have showed us something, but they didn't even, they didn't even try. Like, they were just like, yeah. we'll sign who's ever out there um, or well, we'll just roll with who we have. Yeah, and you look at the last few years, especially with the, with the draft, especially earlier in the draft, the type of players that they drafted were aging or older players, seniors, senior bowl players, because to me, I think Rick viewed that as these, that means these guys are ready to step into the NFL and play right away type of players, and it backfired. I don't think Rick mm-hmm. only viewed it as – get the best players available. He, he's, he viewed it as get the most experienced 
ready to go players and they missed and they missed a lot and they needed some of those young young players to come in and play especially the last few years and they unfortunately didn't get it and then when your head coach doesn't want to have to develop those rookies on the fly he doesn't want to have to do that he wants that he wants his his time to do it like you see with the cornerbacks when he first got here he took his time getting those guys up to speed that's what zim wants his time to get to get young players up to speed but in today's NFL, injuries, all those things, especially when you look at the roster the last four years, it's so top-heavy. You had to backfill the rest of the roster with young players, young inexperienced players. And if you're not willing to develop and, and get those guys up to speed quickly, then you're hurting yourself. And we obviously saw that in the last two years with, with the lack of depth. Not to, And that, that's not just – I'm not blaming just Zim there. That's Rick too. But like a mm-hmm. development standpoint, that's, that's part of the problem as well. And I, I felt though that that after they signed Kirk, um, Mike was so ticked off, right? That that Mike basically because once you signed Kirk, you had to use the draft to your point to f- fill in the, the holes, and so logic would have dictated that Mike would have worked to get those guys up to speed as soon as possible, and it was right. like because Rick had signed Kirk. That Mike said, well, I'm not changing. This is so intriguing because there's so many different ways that this went pear-shaped. Um, it didn't need to. It didn't have to. But, you know, down to this, the game changed on Mike, too. In 2014, Mike, I always thought that that was Rick saying, I can't find a quarterback. Green Bay's got Rodgers. Detroit, at the time, Stafford, who was good. Um, I believe at the time Chicago might have still had Cutler. And Rick was like, I can't really find one. So the answer is I'm going to find a coach that can stop him. And in 14, it's not that offense was not all the rage and important, but it wasn't exactly the same. And the rules hadn't all you know morphed yet, right? And so for a span there, Mike was so good defensively that he did a really good job. Then – his fastball tailed off, but I also think the league continued to change and change and change. And Rick mm-hmm. actually got Mike some really nice offensive components. And it was as if Mike fought him instead of, instead of uh, saying it's Justin Jefferson. Yeah, this is phenomenal. Mike was like, well, we'll do what we do. Um, and so, <laughs> so it just became this, it became this, it felt like almost a struggle. Instead of being a joyful, you know, I mean, we should have watched Jefferson this year and been so excited, like on a Sunday by Sunday basis, just to watch this kid play. I don't want to say he's Moss, but he's damn good. And and instead it became this sort of you were pulling your hair out, maddening experiences of what are you doing? Like, like there's all these times. And I know I know that Jefferson stats look great. And are impressive, but I feel like like with us and fans out there, if you watched the games, you didn't feel the bang for the buck that those stats showed. Well, and especially yeah. if you watch the film and you watch Jefferson screaming wide open, Thielen screaming wide open, and then the two down two yard check down to CJ Ham. That yeah. couldn't have been happy for Jefferson Jefferson at all. No. Well, and that's a quarterback too. You know, so, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about something a little bit more exciting. You know, we we've we've been in that hell for the last eight years. It's not all been hell, but the last two or three no, have been. There was a lot a lot of really good football. And, and now, but now we get to look forward to something new, and, and, and new is always fun, exciting. We don't know. Miles and I were talking the other day about draft, like pick twelve, like. This is like the first year in a while where we don't know what this this new GM, whoever it's going to be, is going to do, right? We have new tendencies we get to watch. Maybe he's aggressive. Maybe he go, trades up and not trade back. Yeah, I, was telling, I, was so, I was telling Matt, Jed, I was telling Matt, Rick got predictable. We all knew the day of yes. who Rick was going to take. And it was kind of <laughs> – it was fun because it's always nice to know things ahead of time. But it also took away a little bit of the appeal as you get to the draft and you want to see how things play out. But Rick got really predictable, and you could. He, I, th- I feel like it, it leaked a lot earlier than it used to uh, with Rick. So it's going to be nice to, to not know a little bit of where the direction is going to go. 
Absolutely. And, and with Rick, you could always count on the trade down after always. the fifth <laughs> round. To, uh, yeah. Or try yeah, to accumulate those picks. That was that. Did that not drive you crazy? Mm-hmm. It's like I got three more picks. It's like yeah, but you passed up a player, or you didn't go go up. Um, I I always thought it was funny to to uh, go back and speculate or talk about. You know, the Vikings were interested in trading up for Fields. They lowball no, teams. They they, they, they weren't were, trying to go get Fields. No, and I think that they. I think Rick said I'll give you a couple of these picks, and you, you know. Right or wrong, the Bears did go in and say, no, we'll make a trade here. So I'm with you. They didn't really try. And and mm-hmm. I also sure. think I I also think that if I'm the Wilfs, it hurt Rick that Mac Jones looks so good. Because yeah. Oh, yeah. they trade out of that and they passed on Mac Jones like he's not gonna make it. And he might not have here. But here, here's the thing. You take Mac Jones, Kirk plays, okay, that's fine. A rookie doesn't have to play. But can you imagine if this team had Jones now for a, a new coach and you can trade Kirk? So if I'm the Wilfs right now, I'd be saying one of the big reasons why I fired Rick or we fired Rick is because, again, to go back to the quarterback thing, and th- this transitions well to – the, the new person, um, you got to be able to identify that spot. And like, I, I know it's hard, but you're paid a lot. And if I don't have faith as the owner of the team that you can identify the next quarterback of the Vikings for eight to 10 years, theoretically, what are we doing here? So mm-hmm. there were a lot of things like that. Well, well, speaking of, of the next GM or head coach, uh, and I, we're getting to the tail end of the show here, but are there any names? I mean, I, we've seen some names, but do you do you have any insight? Any names that that fans should watch for? Maybe somebody that's leading the race. I know they haven't interviewed anybody yet, but I think we've just just today is when we started to see some of the names out there. Yeah, we, we saw what three GM names uh, of candidates: um, two from the Browns, and also. Ron Wolf's kid, Elliot, who worked for the Packers for a long time and has now been yep. a scouting consultant with, with the Patriots. Um, yeah, I think this process is starting. I, I don't think it's going to be a ton of people. I, I think that they're going to probably talk to, I would guess, six to eight. Uh, but as far as the coach goes, I got to think, and th- this is just the nature of the beast here too, I got to think it's going to be an offensive guy um, who who has better – people skills and that's what i think this team also needs that from the gm and coach you know rick rick always did a lot of bragging about well we got all these psych evaluations we do and we talk to guys left and right and blah and i eventually decided that it was a defense mechanism because he didn't have a lot of confidence in the fact that he knew players well and i'm sure that's tough too um but jeff gladney how do you not see the red flags there because he was indicted for a pretty big, you know, I, I mean, this was not, oh, it's just a little uh, problem here. I, I believe he dragged his girlfriend by her hair. Um, and Rick always bragged about how much work and due diligence. And so I do think, I don't think it's that you have to have like uh, like a, a team or a building where everyone uh, is singing Kumbaya. But I do think that you have to have a team that's a team. And I think you get there. Through through having stability, and it didn't feel like they had a ton of stability. And you know what, Jeff Gladney being cut's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at all the cornerbacks that these guys drafted in what guys the last five years or so, Mike Hughes is now gone. Jeff Gladney's gone. Zimmer basically ostracized Dantzler. He he had to play him eventually, um, mm-hmm. but Dantzler was inactive in week one. So I do think that the new guy, the new person, new GM is going to have to build a defense, but I, I think this team starting in 22 is going to embrace the fact that it has an offense that has some really nice parts. Yeah, absolutely. Miles are uh, kind of talking about, uh, you know, the potential GM names we saw. I know it's hard to, to really, evaluate you know incoming gms because 
We don't really know yeah. what they do behind the scenes, right? They're, they're right-hand mans to – I mean, w- when we think about George Payton here with Rick Spielman for a while, right? Like, he was his right-hand man, and we know that about some of these other guys. But are, are you leaning any particular way on a GM uh, or a new GM that might be coming in here? Well, so th- thanks for, for putting that up there, uh, Dave. But for me, I, I think a forward-thinking um, – I, I know – I know the Lord analytics is such a buzzword now, but like someone that uses analytics um, in their process, I think that's very important. It, it's how everybody in, in the NFL is, is using it in some capacity. Um, I think someone that embraces it, we know Zim very much was not an analytics person, not willing to embrace it. Fine, whatever. Um, but I think Rick maybe even to a degree wasn't willing to either, but um, I want a forward thinking GM that, that understands, but also has the freedom to not just focus the short term, they get to think about the long term and, and how to best build this roster. Some of that that's collaborative. I know that's a, another buzzword here too, but like that's what you want out of your leadership. You want someone that lets lets the people below them or that works with them do their jobs. They don't have to micromanage. They don't, it doesn't have to be a my way or the highway type type mentality. It can be a collaborative decision making process, and I think that's very important. Um, one. Judd, I think you'll like this, and I know it's reckless speculation day tomorrow, so I think this is perfect. I got one little connection to, 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 hit, to hit for you. Um, yeah. Uh, so the Brown, the, the Vikings are bringing two of the Browns executives in for the uh, GM uh, interviews, right? So mm-hmm. one other little tidbit I got is um, nice. what's his name? Uh, so the D, the D line coach for the Browns is Chris Kiffin. Guess who he's related to? His brother's uh, Lane Kiffin. He, he's yeah. I, I was going to say. So okay, this is great. So really, so, I didn't know that. I didn't know. So that's good. That, that's a. But that that's something I wanted to bring up because I thought it was really funny. I was like, the Lane Kiffin steam has kind of been it's been sitting there, but I've heard some things, and so I think it's kind of you start connecting the dots a little bit. There might be a little bit of a connection there from the any of the Brown. You know, if the the Vikings were to hire one of the Browns execs um, to come in. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not adding on. I'm not saying they should hire Lane Kiffin. I'm just saying he might be a, an actual possibility for the Vikings. It might not happen, but it, it's, it's fun to think about or at least speculate. I think speculation is really fun right now. It's awesome. So what, what do we make of that? Like, what, what do we make of – because there's definitely something there. I have no idea what. But there's definitely right. Right. At, at, at least a smoldering of uh, potential reckless speculation there. What do we make of, of this thing? Because I will, I will say this. I think Lane would be a terrible hire, but he is an offensive savant. Like he's yeah, very, he's very good. Yeah. So what, what's your guess as far as what the heck this means? I think so. Here's my, Matt, I'll let you go after this. I, I personally think he sees, I think he's lost some assistance in, in Ole Miss. I think he's lost a little bit of, um, of that what's going on. I think he's sick of the college game. I think he's kind of sick of, maybe he doesn't like the new NAL rules. Maybe he's just kind of sick of that, that whole game. Maybe because he has connections in Minnesota, you know, when his dad was here and all those things, maybe he decided right. to have his people make a, make a call and say, Hey, I know you guys have an opening. Is, is there any mutual interest at all? Like would I have it? Would I even have a shot? And maybe that's kind of where the steam's come. I'm, I'm assuming I'm guessing the steam's coming from the Kiffin side more than it is the Wilf side or the, the Viking side, because I don't know if Lane was on her radar at all until Lane decided to, to ask if he could be on the radar. I also think it's a little bit of like a Cliff Clingsbury situation where Kiffin's like, okay, open position for head coach, and I can potentially get my quarterback that I've been working with in college for the past however many years. So you get, you get yeah. both of them brought in. I, I, I am with you on that, Miles. I think it's coming more from the Kiffin side, and they're trying to pump this thing up. Uh, and, and hopefully Kiffin, he's thinking, well, if I'm going to make a shot at the NFL again, uh, then why not go to the Vikings? It's, I, you know, I have connections back there. I can get my quarterback. Owners are super patient, so I know I got a lot more time than I did with the Raiders. Um, and, and hopefully he can and kind of make a, a stay again. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, I was just going to say, it's a, who, you know, uh, the NFL is a, who, you know, business, right? We, we saw it with the last regime, the nepotism was everywhere. 
And nepotism doesn't just have to be who you're related to. It could be who you know. And that's a big sure. part of, uh, of the NFL in itself. So they all have connections in some capacity to each other. So, you know, making that, you know, those calls is, is, isn't difficult. I did hear a couple of weeks, or no, about a month back, that when, when they started to come up, when the Wilfs started to come up with a, a potential coaching list, Matt Campbell, Iowa State, was on it. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think that they would be – I don't think they're going to go the college route, but I do think that they definitely have some college names. Now, now I would, I would guess that they're going to name the GM and allow the GM to name the coach. That makes the, the most sense. But it certainly seems like this Kiffin steam is not just nothing. Well, like see, it's not just like made up. Judd, I heard Mark say, we want to hire the GM first and let him have input into the head coach, which tells it'll me be a collaborative decision that the Wilfs will be the ones making the final decision on the head coach. And I think, I think in the past, the Wilfs that. have made that, choices or Spielman's made choices on even the coaching staff at different points in time. Um, yeah. We heard a story about when Chile was hired, that it was the Wilfs that picked Tomlin. And said he's going to be your defensive coordinator. And That's correct. How much of the Wolves getting involved? They may say no. We want we we like say Queasy out of uh, of Cleveland as our new GM, but yep. we also like Kiffin. And so, and Queasy may yeah. could say, yeah, I can work with him. Okay, good blessing. Boom, done. I think that that would be such a gut punch to Viking fans if we found out yeah. that the Wolves said. We're going to handpick our GM, and then we're going to handpick the head coach. Because if we didn't, if we if we didn't just go through this, right, a head coach and a and a GM that don't collaborate together is not what we want. We want the GM. I, I'd prefer the GM just has final say over who he wants as head coach, right? Like let the GM, the next guy coming in, to pick whoever he wants. I don't care if it's Lane Kiffin at that point. If that's if that's the ride or die that this next GM has, then let's roll with it. Because I'd rather have two people on the same page than this tug of war match that Zimmer and Spielman had for the last three years. See, that's I agree. Why I don't know if. Yeah, go ahead, Jug. Oh, I, I was going to say, Matt. I agree completely, Dave. I wouldn't dismiss what you just said. Um, I've been thinking <laughs> of this through the prism. I, I've been thinking of this through the prism of what Matt said, which is what? Why would you name a GM not to allow the GM to have? final say um so matt's right like i think it'd be extremely disappointing to the fan base if the wolves are like and we're back to name the coach now um (laughs) the crazier things have happened and mike tom i mean you know what on tomlin you're right on tomlin they basically hired brad and then said uh at at that time the bears had been to the super bowl we want to go find a tampa two guy so i hope you're wrong dave but the amount of <laughs> reckless speculation that you just threw out is really awesome. I appreciate that. I so here's here's my thing. Well, that that was 15, 16 years ago, right? Like that was uh-huh. a long time ago. I I think if yeah. the Wilfs aren't willing to practice what they preach, I, l- listen, they're billionaires. They're going to do whatever the hell they want at the end of the day. <laughs> but if they're, if they're not willing to practice what they're preaching, then then they're the, then they're the problem at the end of the day. Like they. Then they will end up end up being the entire problem if they just aren't going to practice what they're preaching. So, in that instance, Dave, like like Judd said, I hope you're wrong because I I heard it as we're going to hire the GM and then it's going to be a full scale decision, not just a you make the final. Like maybe the GM will make the final decision, but it's not going to it's going to be a collaborative decision or at least a collaborative input before the GM makes the decision. That's how I took it. But to your point, it. It, really, it very might well be the Wilfs to say, well, well, what we really, did, really like this guy. What lesson did the so, Wilfs learn yeah. with Spielman and Zimmer? Spielman's pick, well, that's pick Zimmer, yeah. right? And it worked great for the first first term, first four years. Was it Spielman? Was it Spielman that handpicked Zimmer? Do we know that? I do not know that, but he at least had influence. He had that collaborative influence yes, at yes, that time. Yeah, 100%. Right? I, think yeah. He picked, I, I think he picked him. Um, he at okay. least didn't object. And then right. – but they just watched. That worked great in the first four years. And then, boom, 
when it came down to signing Kirk, which I think was a Spielman and Wilf decision, because I don't, I, I believe what was reported that Rick did not want Kirk signed, or not Rick, but Mike didn't want Kirk signed. Um, right. And then you had the split, right, of where Spielman and Mike weren't working with each other like they used to. What lesson did the Wilfs learn from that? Are they going to take it now? Oh, yeah. oh, we made a mistake here. The only way to correct it is if we have more influence on it. I don't know. If Dave, we got, some breaking, we got some breaking news. What's that? The Vikings requested permission to interview the Buccaneers Vice President of Player Personnel, John Spitek, for GM. Ooh. Oh. He was on the little so left he comes with connections in there. He, yeah, he, he, yeah, he may come with Leftwich. So um thought that was an interesting one. That's very interesting. Well, um, we are coming up on an hour of the show. That's that's typically how long how long we do it. But 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 before we go, uh, Judd or Miles, are there is there anything else that you want to quick talk about before we call it a night here? Um, I I would just say that I would I would encourage Viking fans to remember that the Zimmer Spielman duo worked for the first four years and that because i feel like the last two two years have really sort of sullied the whole thing and people are like oh, they, yeah and look they weren't good and mike and mike i think was miserable all, all year long um but for what the vikings were trying to do at one time i think they did a pretty good job mm-hmm. and and phil and declan and i want championships we all do we all want to see this team win a Super Bowl, as we say on our show, before we die. Uh, but that being said, I also don't want it to be painted as, well, these guys were terrible the whole time, and it was always like 2021, because that's not true. So I think that there's a, I think that we all need to take a step back a little bit and say, you know what? Good time for a change. Definitely didn't work at the end. But to Miles' point, there was a lot of good football, and and these guys did take this franchise from the Metrodome and Winter Park into the current age now. And I really think that this has the potential, if it's done right, and that's a big if, uh, to take off and be really good. Like this is now this is now a big time program and team. Um it wasn't necessarily, you know, ten years back. Eight years back. Yeah. I th- I think when you look at the Vikings organization and in Mark Wilf alluded to this in his press or two, right? We are building off the foundation now that Zimmer and Rick left us, which the last year and a half has kind of soured a a lot of fans, but it is a a general good foundation. Like when you look across the league right now at head coaching and GM openings, uh, it's pretty apparent that, that, that we're transitioning off of something pretty okay instead of just rebuilding from the ground up. Yeah, it's not a dump. Miles? Anything from you? Yeah. Before we, I'm just, I'm just excited to see what happens. I think, I think we all mentioned the point like it was time to move on, but we thank Rick and Zim for the work that they did the last eight years. Rick, the last sixteen. Um, I'm excited for the new regime to see what happens. I'm excited for the unknown, but I'm also okay with riding that roller coaster because we've been kind of riding a roller coaster already. Might as well keep riding, yeah. but at least, at least we know there's like, there the change. Might not always start off good, but it might end up being better. Well, who knows? So I'm I'm just excited to see how it goes. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you, Judd, for hopping on tonight. Uh, sorry about the miscommunication on timing there, but uh, I I think we got a full off season ahead of us, full of a ton of speculation. It's going to be crazy around free agency. Uh, we have to have you back for the draft again. I know I've talked to Phil already about coming on as well, and, and, and Doogie is a, a good friend of the show already too. So I appreciate and, you guys. And I want to get Declan on, on to talk producing is what I want. <laughs> I'll tell Declan. Carve out some time. Yeah, there you go. But I have one thing for you, Judd. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen you look this skinny in probably since the mid-2000s. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. Surly Furious. The, the, Surely, <laughs> well, periods and the Livia weight loss program have been very helpful. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. 
I thought, you know, at 52, I should probably lose the weight or at least a few pounds. So thank you, Dave. I appreciate that the, the fact that, that you pointed that out. That's true. Uh, well, to, thank you. to everybody uh, in the in the in the chat tonight or listening to this on the podcast tomorrow, appreciate you guys coming on. If you haven't already, hop on over to our Climb in the Pocket YouTube page and subscribe. We are here every week and will be throughout all of off season with a ton of star studded guests. Um, and if you're not already as well, make sure you're going over to Score North and following them as well. Tomorrow's show is maybe my favorite show of the week. It's Reckless Speculation. Miles already gave them uh, a little one to, to start the show off tomorrow. So um, with that being said, thank you again, guys, for hopping on. And uh, Skull Vikes. Skull Vikings. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.